Welcome back to the Golden Wong Show. I'm Amy Kaur, EVP of Culture and Agent Development at At Properties, Christie's International Real Estate. And I'm here with our co-CEOs, Thad Wong and Mike Golden. We're in the thick of spring market and buyers and sellers have a lot of questions as both mortgage rates and home prices rise and inventory remains near record lows. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some of those questions and how agents can best advise their clients in today's competitive market. So let's jump right in, guys. How are you? We're great. I could not be happier to be here this morning. I feel so good as we were talking before the show. It's a beautiful day out. Sun is rising. Skies are blue. The market is robust and we are ready to rock this podcast. Well, you already got your workout in. Fire. You already ate your oatmeal and, Check. and you can't all see it out there, people, but he's got his green drink. Yep. And I'm looking buff. And he's had 17 cups of coffee <laughs> because the sky isn't blue. The sun is not out. But in his mind, it's awesome. It all lies in perspective, and that's something we all have control over. Yes, that is on the positivity train every morning. Ready to go. All right, so let's talk about it. As the market frenzy continues, many of us know homeowners who are thinking about selling now or maybe waiting until prices potentially rise even further. How should agents approach these conversations that they're having with these potential sellers right now as it relates to where prices are going? Well, I think first, understanding exactly what your client owns and exactly what is trading that's similar to it. One of the most important things you can do right now is make your client aware of the value. There are times in our life, there might be two in a life cycle, where you have an opportunity to sell an asset like you do today, where there is such demand, where you might be able to get more than what it's worth. And having that conversations with your clients is super important, but showing them the value of their home is even more important. Secondly, I would say, the big, what's the big problem? They have nowhere to move. Unless they're downsizing, when people are looking at selling right now, the biggest hurdle they have is there's no one to, nowhere to go. So also having a conversation with them, hey, listen, if I can find your dream home or your second spot, what does that look like? So I can start finding that now just in case you're ready to go. So I think it's really interesting times out there right now. And one thing I think people have to have a good perspective on, and we talk about this, real estate is incredibly local. So everyone reads the big headlines uh, that, you know, they're, we're, uh, we have unbelievably low supply, prices have gone up, but every market is different. So you really have to understand the market that you're in specifically. And, you know, when you look at it, you can wait and hope maybe prices go up, uh, but there's a lot of things out there that say they may, they may not, but you can pretty much guarantee that inventory is going to go up. We're not going to be in a low inventory market forever. So you're, as a seller, you have a unique opportunity right now to sell, we think, at an incredibly good price, but also at a time where there's so much demand and not enough supply, you're a little bit more in the driver's seat. If you wait, you may, while prices may fluctuate both up and down, you may not be in the driver's seat. You may not be able to time it the way you want to, where right now you can largely control your timing. And that's really important. Yeah. And I think interesting back to Thad, your point about you know, as agents having conversations with sellers right now, because there are a lot of them who would potentially sell, but they don't know where to go. And what I'm seeing are a lot of agents getting really creative, right? Putting places on the market and letting the seller even kind of drive that they'll take an offer, but then they'll close and rent back or they have like an extended closing. So I think, you know, to your point, it's agents being really creative on that. Where are they going to go so that they can get these sellers to sell? Because right. really what we're all trying to find right now is inventory, right? Right. Bingo. 
You hit the nail on the head, Aim. Good I'm, job. All That's right. why you I'm on are my A game today. Fire. All right. So with all of this news about home price appreciation, tons of bidding wars, we know we are hearing that constantly from so many of our agents. Sellers might be tempted to test the market with an overly ambitious asking price. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that now. What's your advice for agents who do have these clients with some of them really unrealistic expectations? Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> and I no. disagree, so I can't wait. I was I, I, waiting. I, I, I can't wait. Can I chime in now, please? He couldn't even let me talk. I was joking. <laughs> it, oh, no, you just said that because I disagreed. <laughs> no, I like disagreeing with you. Okay, fire away. Good luck. <laughs> it, it, it all depends on how unrealistic the seller is. There is definitely an opportunity to push price right now. Um, you know, when there, where there's high, high demand, um, and not enough supply, you have an opportunity to push pricing maybe to maybe to a little bit more than what it's worth, as uh, Thad indicated earlier. But the other thing is, is if you go on the market and you don't sell right now, you know you're so overpriced that you had that you're so unrealistic that the market's really telling you that you're we're way off. And if that's the case, a lot of times if you price it too high, you're going to sit and you may end up getting then less than you should have gotten for it. Forget about what it's worth; you'll get less than what it's actually worth if you don't if you push it too much. So I, it's a super fine line. That's why I think having a, a, a broker who can really give you good advice as to what is pushing it and what is obscenely pushing it is really important. And I've learned a long time ago that it is dangerous to disagree with Michael Golden. <laughs> the only two things I will add to that are two suggestions. Is that talking with an agent and going out in the market in the private listing network or going out as a legitimate pocket listing that you can have. Everyone knows of agents who have buyers that are looking for something in that market. So talking with the seller saying, hey, let's go out in the PLN, let's go out to a few specific brokers and bring their buyers through before going out to the open market so we can see what their feeling is about your price. Number two, storytelling with realistic examples. Anybody can go online, pull up the actives in that market and point to two homes that have not sold or a home that sold that took a long time to sell in the last 12 months. Show them exactly what was done wrong in the pricing of that home and eventually what that home sold for, and then compare it to other homes that had bidding wars that sold for over asking. Check out the price per square foot if the houses were similar, but explain to the seller on why there are pitfalls into trying to you know, hit a grand slam. Yeah. I agree with those. Those are great points. I think the other thing too, though, is you know some people have uh, clients that are sellers who would sell if they get their mm -hmm. price. That's one type of seller. But if you've got somebody who really needs to move, I think there is more of, to Mike's point, that danger of pricing too high and then they end up getting less. So I think for an agent, it's really understanding the intention. If somebody's just going to throw it out and see if it sticks, great. Um, but testing it on the market is great for you. I think the other thing to think about is no matter what price you get, guess what? You oftentimes still have to appraise. And I yeah. know that there's a lot of these uh, appraisal uh, writers that are going out there but that is still something that you know has to be considered if it's not a cash deal. And there's something to be said. In a normal market, you once in a while will get multiple offers, right? You might get two. Well, we have stories of 15, 30, even more offers on homes that are priced at market. When you are able to price at market, you can then generate other terms like as is, uh, no financing contingency, a lot of the things that you get beat up on when you go pending if you're on the market for a while. So there is a big... Uh, I think there's a lot of an advantage right now to going out at market and getting multiple offers and having the agent navigate you through that right. to get you the best overall 
contract, not just, it might not just be the price because it's got to close. Right. Creating like a worry price, right? Where right. it comes on and everybody's freaking out that they're right. going to miss out, right? right? Creating your own sort of bidding. And war. then people are settling. They're settling for paying more. They're settling for getting less for their money because they've been beaten out by so many multiple offers. Like take advantage of that. You don't when you overprice it and you go online and people just know that it's too expensive. Yeah. Let the buyers work the price up for you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and get the terms that you want. You know, you alluded to it before, but you know, maybe being able to lease back is important. It gives you more flexibility. Um, it, it allows you to get your money out and then close and move at your leisure. There's a lot of advantages that you can actually take advantage of now. Some of them are economic and some of them are you know, non-economic, but still really impactful. Yeah. All right. So um, aside from navigating record low inventory, which we know we're seeing out there and rising home prices, home buyers have just now seen mortgage rates increasing to the 5% range. And that's been pretty recent and it's it really moved pretty quickly for everyone. What can agents do to put buyers at ease right now and keep them engaged even though rates have gone up? You know, looking at history is always a really good way of understanding the environment that you're in. So, you know, if you look, everyone, everyone just felt a big shock to the system. You know, we were at two and three quarters, 3%, and all of a sudden we're at five, five and a quarter. It's a huge shock to the system because everyone got used to 3% rates. But if you look back at real estate rates historically, 5% still a a very, very good rate, Um, you know, lower than average. Uh, I remember when I bought my first house in Bucktown in 1994, I, had a, I did a five-year arm at 9.5%. Wow. Yeah. And that was just normal. And if we look back at even some of the other like boom times that we've had, rates have been the sixes, even sevens. So you, people have to understand that it's, it's all, they're going to look back and it's all going to be perspective. And if you buy at five and rates do go down for some reason, you always have the opportunity to refinance. So you can always capture it. But if they go up, you're locked in. So it's sort of like it's win-win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you know, right now it's never been more important for a buyer to connect with the loan officer before even getting right. out on the search. You can lock in a rate as long as you can find a house. I would recommend doing that. My only concern is I just hope that the rates don't spike up so high that it stalls momentum. Mm-hmm. Momentum's very hard to get going from zero, but it's very easy to keep in flow. And so if we have a gradual increase over a period of time, I think we won't have a shock to the market. Yeah, well, I feel like they jumped quickly, but now they're kind of just bumping along. But yeah. I do feel like there is a lot of conversation about them going up to being yeah. in almost the sixes by the end of the year. Is that what you're hearing? You know, it, it, it's a lot of it's already baked in. I mean, a lot of, you know, people talk a lot about, well, they're going to keep raising interest rates. Is that going to get mortgage rates up? A lot of it's already been baked in interest rates. That's why it jumped so much. All of a sudden, you know, the, the Fed start talking about raising interest rates, you know, two and a half, three percent this year. So the market start baking that in because it's, you know, you're locking into an interest rate. You, you get a 30 year fixed mortgage. You're in it for the long haul. So they could go up more. I think it, a lot depends on what happens with the economy. There's so many different variables. But, you know, as that said, it's important. I, I would lock in now. Worst case, you refinance if rates come back down. Right. Best case, you locked in at a great rate. Yeah, so, you know, Proper Rate has this program. It's called Lock and Roll. And with interest rates going up right now, it's a product where buyers can lock in their rate without actually having a property or a signed contract. So it, it really allows them a ton of flexibility. Um, you know, so I think that that's really important. So sellers also, I think they're kind of wondering, is this going to slow down to the amount of buyers coming in and is it going to impact demand? You know, what are your thoughts for agents when they're advising sellers as it relates to this? 
when you think about it, if the cost of the home is higher, it will impact demand. It's impossible for it not to. So, so yes, the seller should be aware. And you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, like you can wait and see if prices go up, but there's other variables that may impact not just pricing, but just pure demand. So, so getting in the market now when you kind of know what you're dealing with, when we still know it's a great market, I think it's time to do it. Yeah. I mean, why are interest rates raising, getting risen? You know, what is it trying to do? It's trying to stave off inflation, right? right? I mean, look at the, in the 80s, that was very, very difficult, but it was probably the smartest move ever in our country economically mm -hmm. because it led to, three years later, the greatest boom we've ever seen economically right. in the United States of America. So now that was a drastic measure, right? During those interest rates, that was, you know, insane when mm -hmm. people were in the high teens for mortgage rates plus. So what they're doing is smart. And so if you look at it, you know, from a macroeconomic perspective in the long run, it's probably a good idea. The problem is people look at it is, oh, my gosh, this move is costing me more to buy a home. And, you know, that's true. And I also think that at the end of the day, this far more affects entry level homes than it right. does upper end. You have the big impact being first time buyers. So it slows down the market there. And I don't know if that's actually where it needs to be slowed. I wish you could almost, you can't do this obviously, but it's almost like it needs to slow at the high end. Right. A lot of that is uh, all cash offers, very little mortgage. And so it's unaffected. But so really the consequence of this comes to first-time buyers that are buying entry-level housing. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of the agents that I'm talking to say, that some of their clients now have to reset their expectation of yeah. what they can buy. Or some of them you know, decide that they're going to have to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. But the tough thing is rents aren't getting lower right. anytime soon. So it's, you know... So some of the suggestion is to get into the market, even if maybe you aren't getting exactly what you thought you would get, you know, being able to get into the market, be a homeowner in some fashion, take advantage of that and paying yourself. Yeah. So I just think it's a lot of dialogue and conversation with your clients because we're going to continue to see some of this volatility with rates. Um, you know, yeah, it's, so. it's tough because these you can you see these economic points in the history of the country and they always make it harder for first time home buyers to enter into the market. That that's the consequence of all of these moves, whether it's price appreciation, whether it's higher rates, but that entry level buyer just becomes, it becomes less attainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then we're just going to, they're just going to have to play it out. The interesting thing is, you know, some of the entry level are this largest group too, which is the millennials moving into the market. We're seeing a ton of that first time buyers coming out of the city into certain suburban markets, but I'm also surprised at how much cash a lot of them do mm -hmm. have. So they are able to, you know, cryptocurrency, <laughs> right. I think like what 14% of millennials uh, liquidated cryptocurrency to buy their home in 2021, something wow. like that. Wow. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I talked to a lot of agents about this. Buyers are worried about overpaying in this market, right? It's competitive. And they think about taking a break from their search and just saying, hey, I'm going to wait until the market cools. You know, what would you say to those buyers? It's a tough one because you can say, you know, are you overpaying if you're paying the market price right. today? Right. And most people will tell you whether it's stocks, uh, it's very hard to time a market. And it's incredibly hard to time a real estate market. Yeah. That being said, there it is true. Like if you're going to be a seller, it's hard to imagine a better time to sell. And if it's hard to imagine a better time to sell, if you're a buyer, it's hard to imagine why that would also be a good time to buy. So I understand what they're talking about, but 
the cool part about real estate is we get to live in it. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets to live in their Apple stock. Nobody can roll around in a Bitcoin. You know, you got to live in your house. And so you want a permanent place to live and to enjoy yourself and those that you love. Or you can overpay in rent. Yeah. And have no control of, of anything because where the, the rent costs are going, especially with interest rates and new buildings and the readjustment of rent, you know, so you're going to pay. In Miami, rent grew. Do you know how much rent grew by in Miami last year? Uh, I haven't. I, I have 54%. Oh, I was going to say 30%. 54% wow. rent was up in Miami. So, I mean, that's people probably going to rent a house to have zero state income tax, and that's mm-hmm. what's driving a lot of it. But let's be honest. You know, you might be overpaying a little bit right now, but if you're going to be in the house five, six, seven, eight, ten years. Totally. You're this paying is the, yourself. Remember when we talked about the, it all, the, the curve changed? When we got into real estate, it cost more to own than it did to rent. Now it costs far more to rent than it does to own. So there, there is that difference. They can look at what do I have to rent to get something that's tolerable to live in versus what I can pay to own. And paying to own is more space for less money. The other thing to remember, too, is if you look at, I mean, we're obviously in an inflationary time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at inflationary markets in the past, one, what goes up in value a lot? Real estate. Right. Yeah. So if you think you're overpaying right now, you may feel much differently two or three years from now um, because we're going to have inflation for a while. I mean, there's no question between supply chain and demand. I mean, they, they'll try to get it under control, but I think it's going to be hard. Um, and I think it's going to be bumpy for a while. And if we continue to see that inflation, real estate is one of the things that's going to go up. So yeah, they say there's three things you're supposed to own during an inflationary period. One is dividend-paying stocks, two is commodities, and three is real estate. Mm-hmm. So people that are, yeah, I, I agree with Mike 100%, like always. It's very rare that I disagree with him. We are simpatico. Hey, hey, hey. What about an NFT monkey? Should anybody own that? A board ape? Absolutely. Yeah, people board are ape. saying right now, am I paying too much for a board ape? You know, absolutely not. <laughs> Time will tell. You know, I, I don't think so. I think that that will be the most coveted. I think you'll see a, a you know, you know top 20 ape in the Smithsonian in five years. I love it. More to come on apes later. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on uh, working with buyers and sellers in today's competitive market? What are they we, buying can we tell houses our agents? or are we buying land in the other side? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> houses in that's the real it. world. Yeah. We'll stick with the real world for now. <laughs> what is the real world? That's, the big, that's a very existential question we could go into is what is real? If a tree falls in the forest, does it make any noise if there's no one there to hear it? Aren't we all in a simulation right now? Maybe. How would you know? <laughs> we'll never My know. My avatar is actually as good looking as I am, believe it or not. All right. In Just a little real- hairier. <laughs> in the real world of real estate that we think we know here, what can we say? Any final words or thoughts uh, as it pertains to our agents working with buyers and sellers? What, what do they need to know? What, what are your tips? You know, I think they need to listen to their client. They really need to talk with them and then really listen to what they what their goals are. What are they looking for? Um, help their you know their job is to educate their clients, buyers or sellers, of the possible pitfalls in the market, the pluses and the minuses. And then it's listen to them and help them make a good decision for themselves. And for some people, it might be waiting. For a lot of other people, though, I think it's buying now or selling now because you don't know what the future is going to hold. At least now you can quantify it. You know, I would say, you know, what did we learn over the last 10 years with Redfin and Brokerage and Compass is that if you truly want to be a disruptor, you need to have an education of the industry and you need to be an industry expert. It was the one thing I think that those two companies with all their money failed to understand is they failed to respect the knowledge of the industry and surround themselves with people that really understood the market. So because of that, and if you know that as an agent, I'd sit there for 30 minutes and meditate on the fact that I am a client. I am a seller, I am a buyer. 
Now, you know every service and every value that can be provided. And you would imagine what would the absolute best agent in the world be providing this client right now. Mm -hmm. And then you do it. And you do that for each client. You think, how can I improve my value? It's competitive. There are more licenses coming in the market. There's more real estate agents than we've ever had. Less real estate to sell. So less supply, more people ready to sell it. What are you going to do? You got to be the best. So then start doing the things that you think that the best agent in the world would do and set those as your brand standard and start providing that level of excellence and you won't have a problem building your business. And I'll bet you a lot of people won't do that. Eight out of 10 people wouldn't do that. But if you did that with every single client on a piece of paper and you wrote out what they could really use and what they would feel would be incredibly valuable and you figure out how you can scale that with yourself, your business will grow in a down market. But people don't take the time to step out and figure out how do I focus on growth. Growing is, growth is not going out there and taking out a buyer. Growth is really investing in the value proposition that you provide and how you differentiate yourself from other agents to your sphere of influence. So be the two out of 10 that are going to yeah. do that right Maybe now. Maybe it's one out of 10. I yeah. mean, come on. It's really hard to get people to stop, take a breather, take a half a day yeah. and just write on a piece of paper exactly what you're going to do to win. And then you win. But if you don't pay attention on, if you don't have a plan to win, you're probably not going to win. Yeah. And I feel like real estate is really very interesting right now for everyone. Everyone's kind of curious about it. So it's like really understand it. Sit, know what people or things are being said nationally and then understand how that applies to your local market. I think that's really important too. So yeah. I think the more you know and can really understand because that's what I think clients are looking for right now is education, knowledge, and and somebody to navigate them on like, what should we do? This yeah. is my largest asset. Help me make sure and I an keep it that agent will come up with that conclusion. Somebody outside of the market that's trying to solve our industry conundrum, they're not coming up with it. They're going to come up with some grand scheme. And if they can raise some money, great, but they'll lose it. You know, what? The, who's going to come up with in a micro market, what agent is going to excel and be the best is the agent. Right. They're going to figure out exactly what the consumer needs so they can win. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of sticking to the basics, what we've always said you need to focus on. Well, guys, thanks again, as always, for joining me today. And all of you out there, we appreciate you tuning in. And we'll see you next time on The Golden Wong Show. Thank you, Amy. Thanks, Amy. All right. See you soon.